Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Uh, my, my children, they, they take after me because they love to snuggle. But they take after their mom because they do not love to snuggle me. <laughs> so they love they take after me because they love to snuggle her. So Amy's not a touchy feely person or a person that likes to um, snuggle at all, and it's just like justice for me that my children love to snuggle her. I'm like, yes, in your face. <sighs> but happy Mother's Day. Yeah, like we got a dog like a like a couple weeks ago. Uh, honestly, in March we got a dog at the beginning of March, and this morning I, I was up early praying and stuff. And my son walks out of his room, and I was like, "Hey, good morning, bud!" And I put my arms out like this, and he went straight to the dog and gave him a hug. I'm like, "I'm about to shoot that dog!" Like, what the heck? Like, it was like 30 minutes of him snuggling the dog on the couch, and I'm like. I'm just going to sit over here in my sorrow and sip my coffee. But happy Mother's Day. It is such an honor to celebrate every mom. Um, there's, there's, there's different types of moms like um, Nathan was uh, saying. Man, there's, there's actual mothers and grandmothers. There are spiritual mothers and grandmothers. And then there are expecting mothers and grandmothers. And so... We celebrate all of you. We celebrate all of you. There has been so many women just in this church alone who I've called and said, I need prayer. And they've acted as a spiritual mom or grandma to me and um, have lifted me up in prayer. And I'm just humbled by that. And so thank you guys um, so much. Um, I, I try not to be a needy person, but I do need prayer. Um, I do. And, and Amy, uh, Amy would agree with that. Uh, I need a lot of help. With that said, we're going we're gonna to look at a, a section of scripture. It's found in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And the, the title of my message is Life Lessons from Biblical Moms. And ironically, we're only looking at one mom. So that's a typo on my end. But Life Lessons from Biblical Moms. And moms are the best at teaching life lessons. They really are. They, 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 they teach without even realizing they're teaching. And, um, and also our kids learn with us not even realizing they're learning, which is kind of scary sometimes. So we're going to jump right into this section. We're going to look at this lady named Hannah. And Hannah might not think, you know, she's really not in the scripture very much, but she's the mother of a young man named Samuel. So we're going to read this together. It says, There was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah in the region of Zuf in the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, son of Ephraim. I just want, like, I'm just going to say, that's the best I've ever read that. I couldn't even read it right in my head. Uh, just saying, okay. There's more big names. 
Here's, I, I've told you guys this before. If you ever have to read biblical names, say it loud and say it proud because no one else knows how they're pronounced either. Um, Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Penina. Penina, I don't know. Panini. Um, Penina. Um, Penina had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah uh, would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of the heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at the time were the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas. These guys were crooked. But don't worry, we've never had crooked leaders here. On the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portion of the meat to Panini and each of her children. And though he loved Hannah, he would, um, and though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had not given her, the Lord had given her no children. So, Penina, I'm going to pronounce it differently every time now. Um, would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Penina had, would, would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Why are you crying, Hannah Elkanah would ask? Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Guys, this is not the point of my message. But sometimes, I've only been married ten years, but Amy has taught me a very important two words when she brings me stuff. It's this. That sucks. When she brings me a problem, sometimes she just wants to hear, that sucks, instead of me trying to fix it. Men want to fix things and smooth it over. We want it to, like, that's our nature. This is not how you fix things, because he's not better than 10 sons. I'm not saying this for sure, but I'm 90% sure that Amy loves Peyton more than me. And he, that's just one son. So that's her baby boy. So sometimes if I were to sit them down in marriage counseling, I would just say, just drop it, give her a hug, and say, that sucks. <laughs> I hear you. It's bad. Don't try to fix it. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. So you guys can't cut Judah's hair. I'm just joking. 
As she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving, but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I am very discouraged, and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I am a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant your request that you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. The entire family got up early the next morning and went to worship the Lord once more. Then they returned home to Ramah, and when Elkin had slept with Hannah, the Lord remembered her plea. And in due time, she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, for he said, for she said, I have asked the Lord for him. The next year, Elkanah and his family went on for the annual trip to offer a sacrifice to the Lord and to keep his vow. But Hannah did not go. She told her husband, wait until the boy is weaned, then I will take him to the tabernacle and leave him there um, with the Lord permanently. Whatever you think is best, Elkanah agreed. She, uh, stay here for now, and may the Lord help you keep your promise. So she stayed home and nursed the boy until he was weaned. When the child was weaned, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. They brought along a three-year-old bull for the sacrifice and a uh, basket of flour and some wine. After sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Sir, do you remember me? Hannah asked. I am the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. Praise God. Now I am giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. Let's all take a breath. That is a lot of scripture. The three lessons I think are, I think, honestly, exemplify every mom. And I've got to see it play out both in my mom and in my wife. And, um, and also here in scripture. Women, you guys just do this. And so if you're not a mom and you are a man and, um, or, or you're, you're not a mom, these still apply to you. This is life lessons for everyone. So don't check out because, well, I'm not a mom, so I'm not going to, you know, or, or, or I'm actually a dad or a, a man, so this doesn't apply. No, all these apply to all of us. We need to learn these lessons to walk closer with Jesus. And if we learn them, it would help our prayer life. It will help our, our patience. It will help um, so many aspects of our life with Jesus. So the first lesson I think that um, Hannah exemplified the first life lesson from a biblical mom is endure patiently. Hannah went and waited year after year 
She got ridiculed and made fun of by, I don't even know what that would be called, a sister wife, um, that's Mormon, but her, hu- her, her husband's other wife, year after year, got made fun of, got, got ridiculed because she had this disgrace. And, and, and in biblical times, not to have a child was disgraceful because that was kind of like your lineage. That was, that was, when you had children, the more children you had, the more favor you had, so to speak. It's not that way today, but, but it really back then, that's how it was. And so when people didn't have children, they would find someone to leave their inheritance to or, or they would adopt them into their family and raise them as their own because um, that's how important children were to families. And so Hannah wanted to honor her husband and honor God by having a son. And year after year, nothing happened. For, we don't know why she was barren, but what did she do? She endured it. She endured it year after year. She brought it to the Lord. And there's a lesson here of not giving up on your prayer life. There are people, year after year, you're praying for the same thing. Maybe it's that lost loved one. Maybe you're praying that the Lord will give you a child. Maybe, I, I don't know what your prayer is, but year after year, you're praying and it seems like you're making no promise and you're about to give up. I'm telling you, do not give up on your prayers. Do not stop praying. At the right time, God will make it happen. That is a promise from the Lord. He only works in the right time. Anytime chronology is used in association with God, there's two words that are associated with that chronology. Right time. God only works in the right time. And year after year, Hannah endured. Hannah endured. And she came before the Lord. And she came before the Lord, and she came before the Lord. She prayed, she prayed, she cried out. And it's those Romans 8 type of prayers where you don't even necessarily have words for it, but it's your heart crying out before the Lord in anguish. She endured. She kept going. And there's two ways. How we wait matters. I don't know if you guys know this, but we can wait and come like... I, I used this illustration before, but I can't use it again. But with Sky, I, I held her up like this. And if you keep trying to push a waiting season away or something like this, if you keep trying to, if I try to hold this out like this, my arm is already shaking. My arm's already shaking. I have to pull it in close. Now I can hold it a lot easier. But if I keep holding it out like this, I can't hold it very long. And some of us tra- treat waiting seasons like that. We try to keep it away. I don't want to wait, God. I don't want, I want it now. Instead of just bringing it in and embracing it and enduring, you'll be able to handle that waiting season and you'll be able to endure patiently with joy. It might still hurt. It might still, it might still ache, but you can handle it and endure it longer when you embrace it. Hannah embraced it. She kept bringing it. How did she embrace it? She kept bringing it to the Lord. 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 Know what she kept doing? Bringing it to the Lord. Over and over. For over a decade of my life, my my oldest sister is much older than me, um, like seven years older than me. And so when I was like seven... 
she was, you know, 14, and when I was 6, she was 13, you know, do the math. But from about, about the time I was 7 till I was 17, I heard my mom, night after night, cry out, like those Roman 8 prayers where it was just groaning. She was praying for my sister, who at the time was um, doing Wicca. She was doing drugs. Um, we didn't know where she was half the time. There, there were multiple times that my parents got a phone call um, from the hospital saying, hey, do you know what Angela Tatham? Because her friends pushed her out under the emergency room awning and left her ID, and they looked up Tatham in the phone book. Now, young people, a phone book is something that has a list of names in it and numbers, but, and they called, like, that was the life that my sister was living, and night after night after night, I would go to bed hearing my mom pray in the spirit and call out for my, my sister, my sister, to, I mean, like, she did it after I graduated college, but I moved out. Or after I graduated high school, but I went to college, and so I didn't get to hear it. But night after night, I mean, she wouldn't miss a night. There were times where, where we would just gather as a family, and we would just pray. And uh, she would just pray into the hours of the night and um, for my sister. And now my sister is born again. She is on fire for Jesus, leading a small group. Don't give up on your prayer life. Don't give up. Endure patiently. God hears your prayers. When Amy and I, um, we were a couple years into our marriage, and um, she came to me, she said, I think we should start a family. And I said, I'm game. Let's go. And month after month after month, there was no pregnancy. There was some false positives, and we were like, we're to the point where we're almost a year into this, and we're like, God, what's wrong with us? So I was about to start getting tested, and Amy was about to start getting tested, and month after month, and night after night, I heard Amy pray. I heard Amy pray. I heard Amy pray, and nine months, over nine months into trying to to have a baby, um, we got pregnant by we. Amy got pregnant. Um, I did not get pregnant. But we, we, we had, but we actually, we brought it before the church. We brought it before the church. We had them pray over us. We had our, the staff pray over us. They knew that we wanted to have a family. And we didn't, for, for the life of us, we didn't know what was going on. And um, we're like, well, I, I almost got to the point where I was like, I guess we're just not going to have a family. We're just going to grow old together and be those creepy people at Disneyland with no kids. And, um, but we, uh, but I got to hear, uh, before my wife was even a mom, I got to hear a mom's heart cry. She endured patiently, even though she didn't know what was going on. And let me tell you, nothing bad comes from waiting on God. When we wait on God, he renews our strength. So embrace the wait. Endure patiently. How we wait matters. We can, we can endure it patiently and have peace and joy in the waiting process, knowing that God is making all things work together for good. Or we can hate the, the process, become bitter, become, become irritated, become irritable, and 
be a grouch to be around, and no one's going to want to be your friend, number one. But how we wait matters. How we wait matters. Hannah endured patiently. She brought it before the Lord. And the second thought I want to leave you, the second life lesson from this biblical mom is let your prayer life look crazy. Let your prayer life look crazy. Hannah didn't care who saw her pray. When you have a prayer need and you need to bring it before the Lord, go before the Lord and express that need. Who cares what people think? The high priest of Israel was sitting there creepy watching her and he's like, that woman's drunk and calls her out. But she didn't care that he was there. She came before the Lord. She was willing to look crazy in her prayer life. She was praying those Romanate prayers. Her heart, she was praying out of her heart the grief that was in her heart. Man, I know this. Moms get this better than anyone else. And everyone needs to know this lesson. When, when a mom's babies are in trouble, they pray and they don't care who hears it. And that's how we should be praying all the time. Sometimes, men, we almost feel like, oh, I don't want to, you know, it's going to look weird or anything. Who cares? Let's go before the Lord. Sometimes, we, and then another thing what we do sometimes is when we pray, we, we go through the motions of prayer without actually getting to what we actually need to pray about. So we'll start off and we'll take and, we'll take and start saying the things that we think God wants to hear. Oh God, you're so good, you're so faithful, and all this. And we'll spend all our time doing that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't do that. There is a time and a place for that. But if you have a need in your heart, and you feel like you have to go through this whole cycle of stuff just to get to that need, you're giving God lip service. And God knows your heart. That's the thing. You can actually give lip service with calling God good. You can give God lip service with saying, oh God, praise your name. Because if it's not in your heart, why say it? Like, are you telling me I shouldn't praise the Lord? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you pray, God sees your heart. And Jesus said this. He said, God wants worshipers who worship him in spirit and in truth. And so when you come before the Lord, Hannah didn't go through all this stuff to get to her need. She brought her need, her heart need to the Lord. And that's what, and, and it looked crazy. And what I'm saying is you don't have to go through all this stuff of, Oh, oh, Lord, praise your name and, you know, go through, like, then it becomes a ritual and all this stuff. Just go. Lord, I need your help. Lord, my daughter, you know, like, my son. Yesterday, I was working on my vehicle and I, I got, I had a hold of the upper control arm. And if you guys don't know anything about vehicles, this will not make sense to you, but I hurt myself really bad and I, I released a jack and not realizing how strong that spring was and I got my fingers stuck between the jack 
the upper control arm and the spring. And I thought I just, I thought I pinched my fingers in half. I've, I've never felt pain that bad in my whole life. And what came out of my mouth was Jesus! <laughs> I yelled it so loud. It hurt so bad. And, and I, I thought I just pinched my fingers off. I didn't go through, oh Jesus, you are so good. You are so faithful, Lord. I just thank you so much for how good you are and how you provide for my needs. Now, Lord, I pray that you'll just give me wisdom right now. No, I cried out to Jesus. And in that moment, he's like, pump the jack up. Like, and like, it was like, like, like it was stuck for maybe five seconds. And I, I pulled it out and I, and I was like, I didn't even break a bone. Praise God. I have a blood blister. I don't know how. I had the weight of the truck between those two things. I, I don't know. But Jesus, when, and I was outside. I promised you my whole cul-de-sac, my whole neighborhood heard me yell. I don't care. When you have a need, bring it before the Lord. Bring it before the Lord. I remember when I was, I got, the week of my mom's funeral, we we went into her office and um, I was just going through her stuff and my sisters were divvying up all the jewelry and all that stuff and they said, Ryan, what do you want? I'm like, I don't want any of that. I don't wear women's jewelry. Um, They're like, well, do you want anything? I said, I want our Bibles. That's it. Just want our Bibles. And because, like, my, my sisters are so foolish um, because they thought my mom treasured these little trinkets. But if you ever look at my mom's Bible, you know what she treasured. And so um, I was looking at, and Pastor Christie walked out, and she's a, my mom, she, her and her husband co-lead pastor that church, um, like Amy and I do here. And she said, I just want to tell you something. Um, about about six months ago, like they they shared like their their offices were side by side, so they shared a wall. And she said, "I was just in there studying for Sunday, and all of a sudden, I heard your mom start yelling and screaming and just going to town and just start speaking in tongues and rebuking the devil." And it was like forty minutes of just her going to town in warfare and just like, if you ever heard my mom pray, it's just like, you know, some, somewhere strongholds are falling and devils are running. Like, it's just how she prayed. And, um, and you know, like heaven was moving. And uh, so they kind of walk out at the same time out of their offices. And Sister Christie was like, are you okay? Like, because it sounded like you just like, I don't know, yelling at the devil and different things. And, and she said, the Lord told me Ryan needed prayer. And she stopped what she was doing. And she just, she, she canceled mentoring sessions to pray. Because a mom knows how to look crazy in her prayer life. She doesn't care. She doesn't care. God already knows what's in your heart. So tell him what's in your heart. That's what true worship looks like. 
You know, sometimes we think song service is worship or anything like that. No, true worship is when you bear yourself before the Lord, unfiltered, unadulterated, not trying to give him what we think he wants. Man, we don't understand his mind. Know what he wants? And he said it this morning. He wants us. He wants us. And so when we come unfiltered, when we bear our soul like Hannah before the Lord, that's true worship. That's true worship. And the, the, last, the last thought I want to give you is let your worship cost you. Hannah, Hannah took and made a covenant with God. She bore her soul before the Lord and she said, Father, if you give me a son, I'll give him back. That cost her. I couldn't even imagine what that would be like to send my child at the age of four or three and to live with someone else and only see them once a year. It cost her to worship the Lord. And I'm, I'm really of the, of, the, of the thought process is if it doesn't cost you, it's not worship. Worship costs. Praise doesn't. Some of us are stuck in a praise cycle and we don't know what a true worship is. I can praise my dog for listening. It doesn't cost me anything. It's praise and worship. Should we praise in our walk with God? Absolutely. We need to be saying, Jesus, you are good. Jesus, thank you. Jesus, we, we praise your name because he's worthy of it. But when you don't feel like it, when you're hurting, when, it, when, when, when you don't have anything to give and you feel like, God, I can't even lift my hands right now. What do you want from me? And he says, I just want you. And you choose to say, God, I'm going to praise and worship you right now when I have nothing left. That's worship. When you don't feel like it, that's worship. If it costs you, it's worship. Praise is cheap, man. If you live on praise, you're going to die on criticism. Worship, though. Worship. The reason why worship is so different, because worship changes you. It changes you because it goes in spite of your feelings. To truly worship God, you have to sacrifice yourself to lift him up. And it's despite of us. There are times where I don't want to pray. There are times I don't want to read my Bible. There are times when I don't want to walk downtown and pray with people. There are times when I'm at Walmart and I hear, go pray with that person. And I just want to go home. I just want to chill. But if... I gave my life to Jesus. It's not mine to spend. So what do I do? Is say, God, I'm going to worship you in this moment. I'm going to die to myself to live for him. 
I'm going to go walk downtown when I don't feel like it to pray with people, even if no one wants to pray with me. I'm going to turn around and ask if I can pray with that employee. I'm going to, because that's what worship looks like. It costs you your convenience. It costs you your reputation. It costs you. It, and it changes you. It changes you. The more you do it, the more you want to do it. The more you sacrifice yourself, the easier it becomes. Romans 12 says, I beseech you, my brethren, in view of God's mercy, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, pure and holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Your spiritual act of worship. Hannah, it cost her. It cost her. For years now, I've got to see my wife sacrifice, sleep. Like, like if you guys know, there's a running joke amongst the staff, and but my wife is like an 80-year-old disguised in a what 40-year-old's body, 37, somewhere in that window. Um, I'm going to die. <laughs> no, but she likes to go to bed super early. Like, you know, like, like, if, if, like at staff meetings, like, you'll get at 6.30, and we're like, well, we got to start ra- wrap it up because it's Amy's bedtime, you know, but it's not. It's, uh, she goes to bed like 6.45, but <laughs> I'm joking. Um, but she, she likes to go to bed super early, and, you know, we, we, we kind of joke around with her about that. But um, why she goes to bed so early is she gets up stupid early to spend time with Jesus. She sacrifices her sleep because as a mom, I, I always joke, but I'm like, dads finish second, just FYI, expecting father, young father, Dad's finished second. It's like, you could be side by side with your wife, and they can have like, dad, uh, or they, they can just need a, a, a cup of water, and they'll walk up to the mom. Can you get this for me? And she could be doing dishes. She could be doing everything else, and you could be doing nothing, and they'll still go ask the mom. It's a beautiful thing, don't get me wrong. But like, <laughs> no, but mom... Moms sacrifice so much, and th- there's not a down moment. And I've got to see Amy sacrifice for our family and our children. And she knew that if she wants to have intimacy with the Father, because she doesn't get the convenience of coming here during the day and praying and doing what, like, I, I could find alone time during the day. But up until this year, she had a full-time little boy with her. And all the time. So she made the decision, I need Jesus. So she sacrifices sleep to spend time with the Father. She gets up earlier than everyone else. She prays for our family like no one else. Because worship costs you. There's always going to be a sacrifice when you worship. 
But when you choose Jesus over the things of this world, it's always worth it because I've got to see her become more patient and kind. I've got to see her become grumpy at night. Don't get me wrong when it's past her bedtime. But at the same time, I've got to see God work through her in a way that I'm like, I need to have more discipline in my life because of her. Because her worship cost her. Hannah's worship cost her. If there's a sacrifice involved and worship is a sacrifice, you have to give up something. If you want intimacy with God, you have to give up something. There's always a, tan- there's the, there's always a time sacrifice. There's, there's, there is a sacrifice. It might be a sleep sacrifice, but there will be a sacrifice. It will cost you. But let me tell you, it's worth it. Because Hannah gave Samuel back to God. You know what Samuel did? He led Israel for years. He led them in repentance. He led them in revival. He anointed the first two kings of Israel. He he listened to the Lord like no one's business. He was a man of God. He ushered in the king that would become um, in the lineage of of Jesus because Hannah allowed her worship to cost her. She sacrificed. We often think that worship is convenient. It's not. We think, oh, it's three songs and a message. There's my worship for the week. That's not worship. Worship is when we walk out of these doors and you choose to act like Jesus and not like yourself. Worship is when you say, you know what, I'm going to stay up late to pray for that need over my family or over whatever, or I'm going to get up early. Worship is when, you know what, I'm going to turn around and go back to Walmart to pray with that person. It costs you. Worship changes you because it requires you to change your life. Praise doesn't change you. Praise is cheap. Necessary, but it's cheap. We need both. We need to praise and worship. That said, I just want to take a moment. We don't need music. I want to just take a moment and just examine ourselves. Sometimes, I don't get me wrong, I love our worship team, and it's so good. They're so anointed. But I never want to try to manipulate something. And that's not their heart. They don't. But music kind of makes us feel gooey, right? Like, oh, I can't pray unless I have worship music on. Well, there's something wrong with your prayer life. I didn't have music playing when I smashed my fingers. But 
these life lessons from biblical moms, maybe some of us are not enduring patiently. We're enduring, but not patiently. And maybe we just need to take a moment to just say, God, help me. God, help me. Change my mindset on the situation that I have to endure. Lord, help me to see that you're working good out of this. Maybe you've been really reserved in your prayer life. And, and you're saying, God, I want to get to that point where I want my prayer life to look crazy. Who cares who's watching? I want, I want to get to that point. I want to get to the point where I just bear my soul before you. Maybe you're here today and you've been living off of praise, but you haven't really been worshiping. You like the feel-good stuff, but let me tell you, this is such a misconception in the American church, but sometimes worship doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. This morning, I didn't want to, (laughs) just to be real. Um... I didn't want to raise my hands and worship. I, uh, man, like Mother's Day is hard for me. Like it's, it's hard and easy at the same time because I have such a beautiful wife to celebrate. And I have an okay mother-in-law um, to celebrate. But, um, but I miss my mom. And, um, but the thing is, Jesus is worthy. And so I, I choose. <laughs> like, I'm not telling you something I'm not willing to do, man. I choose. Like, I want to rip my hands in worship. I'm going to cry out before the Lord because what I'm saying is true. He is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a light in the darkness. That's who he is. Maybe you're... Maybe you, You've been praising, but you haven't been worshiping. And we, we, we dodge that. Man, if it starts to hurt, we, we duck out. But once heard it said, there's two times to praise the Lord. There's two times to worship the Lord. When you feel like it and when you don't. So I just want to take a moment in silence. Oh, that awkward silence. And examine yourself. And ask the Lord, examine me. Is there any one of these areas that I need to bring before you? That's what he does. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is something we need to be doing regularly as the body of Christ anyways. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be quiet for a moment. Father, I just pray for us, myself included. Lord, if there's areas in our life where we haven't been enduring patiently in a way that would bring honor to you, forgive us. And bring joy to that waiting. Lord, you renew our strength when we wait like Hannah. Lord, I pray right now that you will bring us to the point where we don't care what people think about our prayer life. We just want to bring our our heart to you, Father. Lord, we don't want to give you lip service. We want to give you our heart. Because that's what you want. Father, I pray right now that there's people that have been living off of praise, but they haven't been worshiping, that you would... 
that you would reveal the areas in their life that they need a sacrifice so they can bring a, a to, so they can bring that worship that 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 spiritual worship to you to, to present themselves as a living sacrifice in the name of Jesus now let's just let's just come before the Lord quietly together Father, I pray for your church. Lord, let your presence fall on them this week. I pray that as they walk out of this place, that they are the church, that they, they, they walk into that identity that you have for them. Lord, I pray right now that you will bless them and keep them, make your face shine on them and be gracious to them, turn your countenance towards them, and may they have peace. In the name of Jesus, I pray for boldness over them. I pray for your anointing over them. I pray, Father, for those who are enduring. Lord, let them just keep bringing that prayer. I pray that they don't give up on their prayer life that they keep bringing those prayers before the Lord, that they keep going before the Lord. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you will help them to hear you more clearly, to walk with you more deeply, and to, to, to um, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit more thoroughly. And Father, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you will help us all to worship in a way that costs us. Lord, reveal us, reveal in our lives things that we need to give up. And to, to offer to you. And Lord, I just thank you for this church, for this body. I thank you for all the moms, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord, for the godly women that are in this room and are watching online. Lord, I thank you for what they've done to shape generations and generations to come. And I thank you, Lord, for putting them into our lives so that we might be the church that you called us to be. In the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Man, God is good. God is good, isn't he? He's so good. I love you guys.